out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaSports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well, or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. I'm a clinical neurologist and pain specialist practicing in the Philadelphia, Delaware area, and we're pleased to have another A-list celebrity today on Bruce the Sports Doc. We'll be joined at the campus of Villanova University by Coach Jay Wright. You'll find Jay to be unusually candid and animated as you've seen him on the sidelines of the Wildcats. The Wildcats play in arguably the most competitive division, that is, the Big East. Jay Wright has led the Wildcats to 19 NCAA appearances in 10 years. His Cats have a lifetime record of 224 wins and 101 losses. Almost a 70% winning percentage. Arguably one of the most exciting games was the pulsating 78-76 triumph over Pittsburgh in March Madness of 2009, propelling the Villanova Wildcats to the first Final Four since 1985. You'll recall 1985 when Roly Massimino led the Wildcats over Georgetown for their First and only NCAA championship. So who is this guy, Jay Wright, anyway? Well, Jay is a Pennsylvania native, attended Council Rock High School, and was a four-year letterman in the field of basketball at Bucknell University. He also coached Speedy Claxton at Hofstra. That is the Hofstra pride. Speedy Claxton enjoyed 10 years in the NBA after being drafted by, you guessed it, your hometown, Philadelphia 76ers. He also coached three players who ultimately were drafted and played in the NBA, including Randy Foy, Dante Cunningham, and that little 
Water Nat himself, Kyle Lowry. What follows, you will hear not only the interview, but you also hear all of the various noises that you can find in a summer morning at Villanova University. That is, it wouldn't be an interview without the obligatory bus and truck noises, the golf carts, and a variety of birds perched outside of the DuPont Pavilion in Villanova University. Later on in the show, you will hear two full segments devoted to, you guessed it, concussion, head injury, and we will talk about new treatments, that is treatment for head injuries, that is you're familiar with go home and rest, however, I'm going to discuss some new drug treatments that have been successfully utilized at Grossinger Neuropain Specialists, we'll also talk about some other research conducted on sports-related and military blast injuries. And finally, we'll summarize a national conference at Johns Hopkins University. So today, not only do we hear Coach Jay Wright, more concussions. And finally, in the last segment, you'll hear a bit more roundtable from the Super Bowl champion, 1986 New York Giants, and you also hear dialogue reflecting on that season. So, without any further ado, let's go to it. Villanova University, Mr. Jay Wright. This is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. We're here at the campus of Villanova University with Coach Jay Wright, and we're really pleased to talk about the Villanova Wildcats and the upcoming year. As uh, Coach Wright knows, I grew up in the area. I used to play at the field high. I used to hack around a little bit there. And a huge fan, and the last few years have have certainly been wonderful. And uh, my best college basketball game ever was that 1985 game against Georgetown. I I, I barely have recollections of being on Lancaster Avenue for that, but but it was a good time. So, Coach Wright, welcome to the show. And we want to uh, start off by talking about your incoming freshman class. Well, Bruce, it's funny to to hear you talk about playing in the – in the old field house and, and where you were in 85 because uh, being back here as the coach of Illinois is something I, I always enjoy. I meet alums uh, that, that know exactly where they were on, uh, night in, on April 1st, 1985. And then I meet a lot of f- fans who are uh, local community members like yourself who would, could always get into the gym and work out. It's not that easy to get in there now and play, but there's so many the guys from your era that, that would always play at the field house and come up and see games here. So it's it's all a part of the great heritage of Villanova basketball. And this freshman class, I hope, is going to add to that. You know, um, we've got Marcus Kennedy, who's a, a West Philly guy. He went to Brewster Academy, and um, he, he's he's about 6'10", 270, and, and, and mobile and skilled. We're really excited about him. And, and we have um, Yash... Um, Ash Yakabu, who's uh, the New York Player of the Year from Long Island Lutheran High School in New York. He's a 6'4 guard that, uh, uh, as well as he shoots the ball, what excites us about him is an outstanding perimeter defender. And um, and then we have Darren Hilliard uh, from uh, Liberty High School up in Bethlehem. He's about a 6'5 uh, left-handed guard, real smart player, um, can, can really play any position on the perimeter, including the, the point guard position. And, um, you know, I think these guys are going to help us a lot. 
Uh, Tyrone Johnson rounds out the class, a 6'1 point guard, who's actually from Plainfield, New Jersey, but he, he played for Montrose Christian, and they won the prep school national championship on ESPN, and he was the MVP. And, um, he's a guy at the point guard spot that we hope is um, in that long line of, um, of great Villanova guards. Well, that's tremendous, and uh, I know having a 6'10 guy uh, will, be, will be a big help. You know, I've always, I've always thought about Villanova as a team that, that always accent, that accentuates defense. And certainly, my, my son Spencer's here, otherwise known on our show as Spencer the Wizard. He's here keeping a very low profile as a 10th grader from Harrington High. But uh, he's really loving the camp, I must tell you. And um, I always think about Villanova with defense, 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 swarming defense. And, and you always seem to be able to figure out like a chess match, especially in the tournament. You come out and you always you always throw a monkey wrench at the other team. And I've got to commend you for the defense. I always think of three-point shooting. I always think of speedy guards. And uh, the fact that we're bringing a 6'10 guy, I think uh, we're going to have some beef under the boards. I think uh, it, it looks like that we're looking to get to, 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 to basically add to what we have as far as rebounding and, and defense down low as well. Exactly, Bruce. And, and really, uh, we have been blessed with some great guards that can control the game. And we're going to be a little different this year. You know, we'll have Malik Wayans, who's a, an outstanding guard and can control a game. But everybody else is going to be pretty big, you know, which is unusual for us. Um, Dominic Cheek at 6'6", you know, could play the two-guard spot. Um, James Bell, who we just found out today, uh, uh, made the final cuts of the uh, U.S. Uh, U-20 team. So um, he'll be traveling to Lithuania with, with that team, who's coached by uh, a former Villanova assistant, Paul Hewitt. Um, you know, James Bell at 6'6", is um, a big, strong perimeter player. So, um, you know, we got Isaiah Armwood at 6'9", up front, Muftal Yaru, and Maurice Sutton. we got a lot of size. This is going to be a different kind of team for us this year. Like you said, it's not going to be the speedy, speedy guards, probably not a lot of three-point shooting, but really good defensive team, a good rebounding team, and hopefully a team that executes well on the offensive end. Looking at the Big East, obviously Connecticut was a 400-pound grill last year. And uh, certainly a credit to the league, their run. And uh, wonderful for the Big East. Uh, they graduated their big star. He's going to the NBA. There's a lot of talk about the draft tonight, the NBA draft. And... Uh, it, it, I, I guess I'm wondering how you think the league stakes up, you know, stacks up. It's a, it's a, there's so many teams in the league. Year after year, uh, things change. Connecticut, obviously, is highly rated. H- how would you break down the league of the Big East? Well, I think people are starting to see, Bruce, that, that um, year in, year out, you're going to have outstanding depth in this league. Um, last year was a great example. Um, uh, you know, Pitt uh, was at the top of the league for a good portion of the year. Um, Syracuse was up there. Um, Connecticut goes 9-9 nine and nine in the league and wins a national championship. So it just goes to tell you, you put Connecticut in the national tournament, they win six straight games. Put them in our league, and they lose they lose nine, uh, nine of 18. So um, I think that's what our league's always going to be like. You know, you're going to have some powerful teams that uh, throughout the season could be top five teams, and then you're going to have teams that um, because they're playing in the Big East, continuing to prove throughout the season as they improve, they're playing their best basketball at the end of the year when tournament time comes. Um, and there's going to be great depth. Um, Pitt's going to have a lot of guys back. Syracuse is going to have a lot of guys back. Connecticut's got a lot of guys back. Um, West Virginia does. Um, you know, we, we lost three starters 
who are um, outstanding players and, and, and really a good portion of our scoring. So we're going to have to make up a lot of scoring on this squad. Uh, but like we said, the Big East is always going to be tough. As long as we're playing our best basketball at the end of the year, we'll have a chance uh, to be an NCAA tournament team. Well, certainly uh, your record since joining Villanova has been excellent. Your teams have been great. Your reputation is always uh, tournament tough, great defense, and uh, we're really glad to, to have you spend a few minutes with us here. We're on the Voice America Sports Network, and uh, we hope to have you during the season and to get your insight. Coach Wright, thank you so much. You got it, uh, Bruce. It's been a pleasure doing the show. We love having Spencer the Wizard, too. Thank you. As he does. Thank you. <laughs> Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Bruce at BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Now, back to the show. Here we are, and we are in New Jersey. We're in Short Hills Hilton, and I'm with my friend Lionel L. Train Manuel. And we were just going through some reminiscences about the Super Bowl, and it's interesting, being part of the 86 Super Bowl Giants team, he's been asked a million times about what it meant to him. And today, now that there's a reunion, literally, of almost every player and coach, he's able to answer the question. And wait, so we're going to ask you the question for a million and one time. For the listening audience here at Voice America Sports, L-Train, tell us about what today meant to you. Well, you know what? This being my million, million and one response. This is, I really feel that after today, seeing the players, the coaches, the owners, the support after 25 years, that's what Super Bowl 21, 1986, that's what it's all about. You know, it has nothing to do with the game. The game was the start of what we're going through today, the celebration of our 25th anniversary. It's amazing. You know, 
and you had a very long career. I must tell you, the average the average length of a career in the NFL is three years. You played from '84 to '92, so you have the perspective. And one thing that L. Chain was telling before is, after they won the Super Bowl, guess what? Right back to training camp, right back to playing. And Lionel had in his fourth game, he hurt his knee, but he was able to come back against Washington in the playoffs. He was able to help the team get to the Super Bowl. And after that, tell me about the, the rest, what it was like for the rest of your career up through 92 as a wide receiver. Tell us a bit about that. Well, you know, like in anything, you know, uh, first thing of all, you, you get older. You become older. <laughs> you become a leader with more responsibilities. But once again, it's job as usual. You, know, you wake up 8 o'clock, you're at the stadium. You know, you go through the regiment, 6 o'clock, you, you, you go home and you relax and you still study. And, you know, but like I can say, nothing can compare to what we went through in 1986. And it is not just the year 1986. It's how we've come together from 1986 to 2011. I mean, we're still taking care of one another. We're still reassuring each other that we're doing the right things in life, making the right choices. We're taking care of each other's kids, family, the support groups. You know, that's, that's, what, it, that's what a championship team is all about. It's, it's more than just the event of that day. But you don't know these things until you live that life. And it was like today, when I saw literally, except for five individuals, we were all here together, all shedding tears. That was it. Was a big event, and I know we we talked about your roommate Bobby Johnson, who we're going to be interviewing later. I hear Bobby had a really important catch in one of the games, and I know that you must have really enjoyed that. I think it was a Minnesota game. He really helped extend the uh, the season. Can you, t- can you share your remembrances about that? Oh, oh, I definitely. <laughs> the one way I remember that experience because I was at home watching it on television. I wasn't able to participate, but him being my roommate. Supporting him all the way through. Without Bobby making that catch, there wouldn't have been. Well, I can't say it wouldn't have been, but that was a big part of us continuing our regular season at 14 and 2. Right. And as far as uh, we were talking about Coach Parcells and his legacy and how many coaches he spawned. So if you could just share that. Obviously, Coach Parcells is a legend. And um, he's a reputation as, as being a strict person, a disciplinarian, a tough guy. And uh, Coach Belichick, who obviously uh, is, is, in a, is in the same class of, I would consider, definitely a Hall of Fame coach. Uh, and you being on the offensive side of the ball, so you probably didn't have as much direct experience with Belichick there. Tell us about what it was like to interact with the coaches and what you feel Coach Parcell's legacy is. Well, you know, Coach Parcells in, in particular, that's one of those questions that we get all the time outside of the, the, the experience that we've got, you know, from the Super Bowl. Uh, how was Bill Parcells? You know, my response to that is something I've learned over the years. Like my father, so, you know, I was one of those guys, you know, any, any kid, you're growing up, you listen to your father. And when I had my first child, my first son, I called my father. I said, Pops, I understand. Same thing with Bill. When I first got into coaching, I really understood what Bill was talking about when I got into coaching. That's why, so when you talk about Bill Parcells, you know, we rarely get with him. He's a master of producing coaches. 
that's what people don't understand about this man. This man is so he's so personal in, in building character, not just players, but in the coaching as well. Like you kind of, and I also had a coach called Pete Carroll, and that's what he's trying to institute out there with this. Like I say whether it's a, a no cursing rule that he has amongst his coaches, but it's, it's, it's those type of things that that you're instilled with that you carry on and you bring it on to your your, your kids. Right. With, with with Coach Carroll, I think that his it, he's so enthusiastic. When I as a fan. I see him running up and down the sidelines, high-fiving, you know, in college and also, obviously, in the pros. So I think that kind of love for the game, and that's what we're talking about here. That's what we're celebrating in this weekend is the love for the game. But the game really is about the people. It's about the people seeing everybody come back. LT sitting right there, and he's just talking to everybody. And uh, Coach Belichick's back, and he said that, Belichick said that without this Giants experience, he may not have ever gotten that job as a Patriots coach. Well, that's, that's you said you said it right there. It is for the love of the game, which to me personally, I don't see today. But it's also the love of the people. I mean, I, I heard you know, a long time ago from a person who was well off. It takes a a community to, to become wealthy. It, it, it takes a community to raise children. You know, we're about community. We're about family. And we all have stories. We do have our ups and downs. But, you know, but for what was instilled to us through the Giants organization, that's all we hold dearly. And it starts from even beyond ourselves. It's from the, the, the Mara family. The, 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 the Mara family, it starts from the ownership. You know, ownership is not just, just with us. Ownership... It starts from the owners themselves. And that's very important, you know, versus, you know, your dot-com systems today and run organizations. You know, that's what the Giants are all about. You know, we're all about family. And what we take from our Giant family, we instill in our personal family. Well, I, I definitely would say that, you know, being an observer of the NFL, the Mara family, the Giants, and even the legacy to the current players, there's a line that runs through Eli Manning, through you guys. And this is your time. This is your time to shine. And uh, Lyle, Lyle Train, Manuel, uh, we really are glad to have you on. And uh, we're going to bring you into our studio in the Valley of the Sun at Voice America. And we have a lot to offer, and we really appreciate your opinion today. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is your opportunity to get So here we are. We have a world-class photographer. Wendy Badman. She is there. Photos by Wendy. With our boy, Bobby Johnson, our man. BJ. BJ is in the house. He's here, man. In the house. We're getting loose here at the Short Hills Hinton here. Boys America Sports here. And we're here with Bobby. And we want to talk about his remembrances of the 86 team, the Super Bowl, and what it was like to experience it with his teammates today. <laughs> My best moment was 4th and 17, like she said. I mean, everybody talks about it. That's all they talk about. I don't think they remember anything else. <laughs> so what was it like? So what were your thoughts about it? Did you, I mean, 4th and 17, the chances of, of securing that ball, are, what, what, tell me about the pattern you ran and, and, and your thoughts about 4th and 17. I say uh, people make it like it's a big deal. To me, it's just a normal play. All I had to do was my job, and that's what I did. 
And Theo Sims threw me the ball. Simple as that. It was, it was nothing different, nothing spectacular. But after you made the play, how important did you know that it made? Did you know it made a difference I, in the game? No, I really did. Well, Bobby, you're, you're a humble gentleman. Yeah. We know I that. Really am. You, I you, mean, you are a humble guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know it made a difference until years later. You know what I mean? I was just doing what I had to do. Looking back 25 years later, what does it feel like now knowing that that made the difference? It's a big play. It's a big play now. <laughs> people it still talking is. about it. It's yeah, people at my job in Tennessee talk about it. So I know it's a big play. That's great. So tell us about what it's like. I bet there are some people you haven't connected with in a while. What's it like for you guys to all come together today? It's like a band of brothers. I mean, we all know each other. We're all close. That's what made our team special. You know what I mean? No confrontations, no egos, no nothing. We all came together when it was time to come together. That's fantastic. It, it played for Coach Parcells, who's a Hall of Famer, uh, definitely a guy who knows how to run a coaching staff. And that's the thing we heard when we talked to the L train. He said he's like the president. He's the chairman of the board. So you don't always deal with the president, but the fact is he, he runs the place like a corporation. Oh, yeah. So tell us about Parcells. What was it like? What Parcells said, it, it's done. Parcells like the daddy. You know what I mean? He's like Obama, like Clinton, like Bush. Whatever Parcells said had to be done. It, I mean, no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Parcells meant what he said. That's Simple right. as that. That's, that's what we're definitely hearing. You know, and uh, tell us, you're living in Tennessee now? Yes, sir. And uh, so tell us a bit about... How long did you play in the league? How many years? I played three years. You played three years in the league? My last game was actually Super Bowl Twenty One. That was my last game. So that's your last game. So you went out in style. I went out in style. So there's a lot of good people oh, yeah. who go who go out. You went out as a winner. Yes, sir. That's, a, uh, that's like David Robinson. Yeah. Everybody David can't, Robinson? Everybody can't say that a champion in their last game. Yeah. Everybody can't say that. Well, that's wonderful. Well, it's so great to talk to you. We appreciate your time today. And uh, thank you so much, Bob. You are. to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports dr bruce grossinger is a board certified neurologist and managing partner of grossinger neuropain specialist serving the philadelphia and wilmington delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine pain management interventional spinal surgeries and occupational medicine dr bruce is the director of the national sports concussion program and works as a senior medical advisor for the national high school coaches association we're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries this involves education of athletes parents trainers coaches and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports 
You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the concussion section of Bruce the Sports Doc. In this segment, we're going to talk about brain injuries, primarily in the sporting arena, but we're also going to lend some data from the military with respect to blast injuries and also talk a bit about how you can have a concussion without even hitting your head. Firstly, the first myth we want to dispel is, do you need to have a loss of consciousness in order to have a concussion? The answer is resoundingly no. Less than 10% of sports concussions involve an athlete fully losing consciousness. And you might wonder, why is that? It has to do with the anatomy of the brain. In some ways, there's redundancy in the brain, and the way the brain is wired up protects us from losing consciousness, which is the ultimate lack of control. Therefore, if there's a brain injury that only affects one of the cerebral hemispheres, either the right or the left, even to a severe extent, the patient will retain consciousness and not pass out. Also, if the injury spares the brain stem, which is a very deep, protected portion of the brain, then the, the, the injury will not arise in a loss of consciousness. So that is, over 90% of the concussions have preservation of consciousness. So instead, what are we looking for? We're looking for symptoms. That is, during the game, the athlete will complain of headaches, difficulty with light and sound sensitivity, will have slow reaction time, will have trouble remembering the plays, or will forget plays prior to the game. We've also noted that they feel very slow and off balance, stumbling around. So as a parent, trainer, or coach, you have to be very attentive to what you see and what you hear from your athletes on the field. When a concussion is diagnosed, we believe that the athlete must come out of the game. And in fact, 16 of the 50 states have mandated laws that suggest when a concussion is recognized, the patient must come out of the game, they must not return to the practice field, they must not return to game play until the symptoms of concussions have abated entirely, and until a physician, that is a doctor like me, fully examines and clears the patient to return to exertion and play. So again, the good news is there are 16 states out there that are very proactive. The bad news is the other states have to come a long way, particularly in high school sports. Do you know that less than 40% of high school football games are attended 
by even an athletic trainer. And imagine, far less, have any physician at all at the scene of the game itself. So that means that we have a long path to go down to educate because we're up against the old the old ways, okay? The old ways of practice. There's a drill called bull in the ring where there is one athlete in the middle who basically gets uh, physically abused, for the lack of a better word, by a group of people. And that involves a lot of contact to the head and neck. And this bull in the ring drill should be outlawed. Further, did you know that 75% of concussions in the sport of football occur not in the game, but in practice? So therefore, we need to be vigilant. Trainers, coaches, parents, athletes, we need to know about the signs of concussion because a lot of times they're going to happen in a place that's not well monitored. That is a practice session, whether it be peewee football, high school, or college. These practices are typically not attended by trainers and almost never by physicians. With tests are there to help the doctor and trainer to diagnose concussion. Well, there are several sideline tests. There's a test called the SAC, which is a SAC test that involves certain parameters, such as the attention span, the speech, the recall, the reaction time. There's another test called a SCAT-2, which was recently embraced by the NFL as a sideline test. We, as neurologists, do not believe that this is the panacea. And in fact, the SCAT-2 is more outdated than some of our more recent tests. With respect to actual testing, formal testing, impact testing developed at the University of Pittsburgh is probably the most pervasive and utilized computer-generated 20 to 30-minute test with respect to concussion. There's usually a baseline test, which is administered to the whole team. And then, after a concussion, the individual athlete is tested. There are four different parameters, including reaction time and visual speed and verbal speed. And these are numbers and percentages. And the doctor can use these tests in many useful ways. Number one. To follow along, maybe every couple weeks, maybe every few months. There's no specific cookbook for using the impact test. However, we know that it's a very useful test. And that way, when there has been a gross improvement in scores on the impact test, correlating with an abatement or diminution of symptoms, then the athlete can start training again and eventually get back to the field. One caveat is... With baseline tests, it's important that the athlete try and put forth a valid test. If an athlete doesn't try, there are several ways that the person scoring the exam can see that the athlete did not try on the test. I was a bit surprised and disheartened that in the recent interview, apologize for the interruption, just a call to uh, 
treat somebody with a cerebral hemorrhage, no problem. Consider it fixed. We're back. And about impact testing and performance, the fact that Peyton Manning said that he didn't try his best on his baseline test does a disservice to all the youngsters out there. Okay, that's that's really not a good thing that he said. And uh, it just shows us we're all mortals, and sometimes we say things that are uh, not that smart, even bordering on stupid. Folks, you've diagnosed a concussion. What do you do next? Number one, it is true that you have to rest the brain. And by resting, it doesn't mean you send your teenage quarterback home to a barrage of text messages, Facebook and Twitter, and computer games and video games. It's been shown experimentally that this type of over-excitement and hyper-stimulation of the brain actually slows recovery of concussion. So it's very important that, that, that patients who have moderate to severe concussions rest the brain. They often need a break from school. They often require some homeschooling until they recover from their concussion. And it's very important for the neurologist to advocate for the athletes. A lot of times you're dealing with administrations of high schools that don't have a great understanding of concussion or great empathy. That leads me into another point about impact testing. Not only is the impact testing useful in providing a baseline and following the patient's recovery objectively over time, but sometimes really horrible scores of the impact testing are required so that the parents actually appreciate the gravity of a concussion because sometimes you deal with the macho dads who say, my kid's fine, he just rung his bell, and they may not let the doctor treat the patient appropriately and protect them from re-injury, devastating second impact syndrome, and also dealing with these high school administrators, if you show them how poorly the athlete performed on impact testing, it makes it a lot easier for you to get the appropriate accommodations with time off school, homebound instructors, and gradual acclimation back to school, back to exertion, and eventually back to the field of play. Let's talk about aggressive treatment for concussion. Number one, the drug that is most commonly utilized across all academic circles, and again, there's a diversity of practice habits because of the newness of concussion, would have to be the the dopamine-stimulating drug, amantadine. Amantadine is a drug that's used for Parkinson's disease. It's used for brains that are depleted of dopamine. So we believe that dopamine does play a role in the active symptomatology of concussion, particularly those patients who are very slow, very fatigued, and very off balance. And we usually start our patients on amantadine at a dose of 100 milligrams twice daily. We usually monitor them, and in two to four weeks, we usually do a repeat clinical exam and a repeat impact test to see whether this drug has had an effect on their performance. Another drug I use as a neurologist is a drug that's usually used for attention deficit disorder. That's a drug called Adderall. 
It's a stimulating drug. It is a controlled substance. But in the right hands, it can be used effectively. And what this drug does is it really revs up the brain, stimulates the brain, keeps the brain awake. It helps with with concentration span, really helps with attentiveness. And because the brain is very alert, it does help with memory, both recent, intermediate, and to some degree, remote memory. So I have patients that are very slow, very confused, really scrambled, who I treat with Adderall usually for a limited amount of time. Typically, from three to nine months is the window. Not usually long term. I usually stay away from drugs in the Valium family. Even though patients can be very anxious, the Valium drugs are related to a, to a chemical called GABA. Gamma amino, amino, excuse me, GABA amino butyric acid. Okay? In some ways, this is a miracle drug for anxiety, but what it does do is it causes memory disturbance and tiredness. Exactly what you want to have, what you don't want to have in your patient who suffers from concussion. So, so doctors, stay away from Valium, Xanax, Ativan, Restoril, the whole group of benzodiazepines. It's been shown experimentally that these drugs actually worsen cognitive performance and should be avoided with respect to close head injuries and concussions. So symptomatically, as a doctor, there are two things I want to do following an acute concussion. I want to help take away the headache or palliate the headache, which often resembles a migraine, throbbing, intolerance of light and sound, nausea, vomiting. And how do I treat these headaches? I treat concussion migraines just the way I treat regular migraines. I use a class of drugs called the triptan class, which basically stimulates the serotonin receptor in the brain. And there's a whole host of great drugs. And they work about the same. The only difference is some of them are a little more potent, some of them last a little longer, and some of them are metabolized at a different rate. But some of the drugs you will recognize are Ibitrex, Relpax, and Maxalt are, are triptan drugs I use. The nice thing is they're not narcotic, they're not addictive, and they work quickly, and they cause a resolution of concussion migraines typically in 20 to 40 minutes. And there could be a redose of these drugs. I also use drugs to prevent headaches. I use Topamax as a membrane stabilizer, which is also an anticonvulsant. I use Depakote, which is also an anticonvulsant. And I, for the most part, I avoid Indorol or Propanolol, which is called a beta blocker, because this drug can exacerbate a depression. And I see so many concussion patients who have depression, and treating them with Indorol would unmask the depression. So for you doctors out there, I would say to prevent the migraines of concussion and to slow them down, reduce the number, I would advocate Topamax, Depakote, and I would even use the tricyclic antidepressants such as Elevil, such as Pamelor, such as Wellbutrin, 
such as Paxil, because these drugs help amplify norepinephrine and serotonin. They help elevate the spirits of the patient. And they also have an effect on membrane stabilization and reduction of headaches. So I guess that's one advantage, I must say, carrying the, the flag for the neurologists out there. Some of these sports doctors are orthopedic doctors. Their knowledge of migraine headaches can at times be fit on the head of a pin. So I would say, in deference to the other specialties, that if somebody is really suffering from migraine headaches from concussion, they should involve a neurologist as part of the team. Or, in my case, the captain of the team. Stay tuned to the fourth and final segment of Bruce's Sports Doc, where we will talk to Dr. Joseph Fernandez about ACL tears, Terrell Owens, and rehabilitation of the ACL injury. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now... Back to the show. Welcome back to the fourth and final segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. As is our custom, we have our sports medicine expert, Dr. Joe Fernandez, in the house. And Dr. Joe is going to talk about one of his favorite topics, which will be the ACL tear. Over the last two weeks, we talked about the ACL. We talked about the most intriguing injury in sports. And just to recap, we talked about the different ways of doing the surgery last time. And now, number one, we want to welcome you back to the show. Thank you for having me back. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to have you. So here we are. We're in the patient's room. They just had the ACL surgery. What happens immediately postoperatively? 
Well, this is the most important time uh, of the injury. I mean, the surgery is very important. You should have a great surgeon. That's a key, like we talked about the last week. But you're never going to have a full recovery if you don't have a full rehab. That's the bottom line. So what do you do after you have surgery? I mean, rehab is the most important, but yet very often is neglect. As per the ACL surgery, maybe the reason why we don't have more successful ACL surgeries, but we don't see that too much in athletes because they have different approach of the average population, which is, which is a key point. But the focus of the rehab is restoring motion, strength in the lower extremity, improves stability, and to prevent future injuries. That's pretty much what the rehab is. Right. So, as far as the rehab program itself, I had heard, uh, do they use a CPM machine at all? Is that something that's used, that continuous passive motion? I've seen that sometimes postoperatively. Uh, in your experience, have you, ha- have you seen that? And is that helpful at all? I have seen it, and it's helpful because it, it helps uh, the patient to, to improve the range of motion, which is one of the most important aspects of the rehab, especially when you start the rehab. Um, when you plan a rehab program for an ACL patient, um, you, you, you try to do it by weeks. So every week have different stages that we're going to talk about today right now. And we can start right now. Uh, when, you, when you finish the rehab, when you finish the surgery, the first day to the fifth day. So the, f- the first five days after the surgery are really, really important. What we try to do in that period is to minimize swelling and discomfort for the patient. Very important. They have a lot of pain. So we use a lot of ice, uh, crushes, so you don't have to do weight varying, elevation to decrease the inflammation, the knee brace to give you a little support and stability also to decrease inflammation, and any pain medication or, or anti-inflammatory medication. That's what we focus in the first five days. But a very important aspect is that we tell the patient they start doing range of motion as soon as they, they can tolerate. So if the patient came out today and he can bend a little the knee, we recommend it to do it. So... So that's the first, the first part of the rehab. The first five days is just, the, just to improve and minimize swelling and discomfort. In the week one to week two is when we start the range of motion. That question you asked me, that machine we, we use it in this, in this phase of the rehab program. Range of motion, I, w- I would say, is the most, one of the most important. And like I, like I mentioned before, can begin immediately after the surgery. And the most important... Uh, range of motion is the flexion, the ability to bend the knee, which for the majority of the people is really uncomfortable because it's a lot of swelling around. That's why in the first five days, we have to minimize that the most that we can so we can just keep going forward in the, in the rehab program. So f- weeks one to two, range of motion with flexion and gentle stretching exercise. That's the only thing they're going to do in the first week. Now we go into week three to six. We're gonna have we're gonna be like a month and a half away. What what we, what we do in that week in that phase is is the third phase of the rehab, and we do a lot of balance and proprioception. One of the most important aspects for ACL because it's neuromuscular control. And so balance and proprioception had 
a specific exercise that the physical therapists are really, really well trained of that. So they're going to concentrate in all that three weeks only in that. So, but they continue with the range of motion, a stretching, and now you add proprioception. So we got three things going at the same time. Now, a lot of people out there, or some, including me even, don't really know what proprioception is. So could you explain for the audience what is proprioception and how do we re-educate proprioception? As a professional athlete, you know that the understanding your position in space and being able to feel the ground is paramount to your performance. So, so obviously I'm giving away a little bit of the answer. But as far as proprioception, as it relates to sports medicine, could you define proprioception? And also give us some of the, um, uh, some of the things that, that you might do, particularly in, in re-educating somebody following an, an ACL tear mm-hmm. or somebody like a professional athlete. How do you work on proprioception? Yeah. I mean, to make it simple, proprioception is signal that your joint sent to your brain in, in relation to the position of your extremity. Just, I don't know how, how what I, better that I can explain it. So, it's signal is, is, is a conjunction of the joint and the brain together. They work together. They need to work together. What kind of exercise we do with that, or what kind of training we, we recommend to the athletes, we recommend to all the athletes, it's part of the ACL prevention program. Is for example, uh, we drew a few squares on the ground. We put a number on each square, and we ask the, the athlete to balance in one leg. And when we call the number, he have to jump to that number. Then we call the other number, he jump to the other square. Everything in one leg. Everything is balanced. Everything the joint need to receive the signal that he landed, and he had to send that signal to the brain, so the brain get trained again. Remember, we're training, again, the, all the ligament, the whole joint has to be trained again. All the muscles have to be trained in that. So it's one of the best exercises that we do. We do a lot of balance. Balance is great in proprioception, too, because you need to be, the weight needs to distribute in, in some part of the body. So the brain takes care of that. It's amazing how God created us. And it's, it's tough to explain it so everybody get it right away, but... It's got magic, and you have to be with the muscles and the brain together. Well, I think it's important to note those of us here in the Tri-State area, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, you can tell that Dr. Fernandez is on a very high level. So any of you athletes out there, any of you recovering from surgery, you certainly want to come to Dr. Fernandez because he will provide a program for you which will help you get to the field fast and which will help you play, uh, if not on a professional level, at least you can maximize your potential. This leads us to um, a very interesting uh, story that broke this week with Terrell Owens, who uh, is formerly of the, uh, of the Philadelphia Eagles and also the San Francisco 49ers, Cincinnati Bengals, and many other areas. Now, there's some controversy about how he tore his ACL. Some people believe that he was doing something with a single lady show, and there's some rumor that he actually pulled a groin. But I don't know if that's just a vicious rumor. But in any event, T.O. tore his ACL. He had a repair by famed orthopedic surgeon Dr. James Andrews. And we want to hear your opinion about T.O.'s 37. And uh, off air, we were talking about Dr. Joe. What do you think about T.O.? Tell us about his rehab. And will he ever return to the field? Uh, When we talk about T.O., we talk about a particular athlete. I mean... 
he got an energy and charisma that no other athlete have. He he drives through his physical. He want to be in shape. He's an athlete want to be in shape. He doesn't quit. So you ask me, he will go. He will come back. What the rehab is gonna be? Uh, we have to understand that athletes are a little different from normal people. They 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 rehab every day, seven days a week, twice a, twice a day, twice a day. So it's really different. So he's gonna do everything that I just spoke about. He's gonna do his five days, decrease the inflammation, everything, range of motion. He he's gonna do the balance and proprioception in the week three to six. Then in, in the athlete TO, in the week seven to twelve, he will start early sport activity. He can be light jogging, cycling, uh, pool workouts are excellent for ACL. The only thing that he's not going to do in that particular time is side to side and pivoting. That's more be, must be avoided. And then they're going to look to get, try to get back TO in the, in the month. Uh, it's it's going to be around month six, November, maybe December. So what we do in the months four to seven, he continue the, the early sport activity. But we progress for a specific activity like sports. He's a wide receiver. In that month, we're going to do a lot of running and cutting. It's, it's very tough time to rehab because the athlete feels good, but the, the, the joint is still not completely healed. So uh, you go patient to patient, but uh, I go with T.O. I think he, he might make it. Likewise. Uh, I'm betting on T.O. Well, that's all the time we have on our show today. We want to thank Coach Jay Wright of the Villanova Wildcats. We want to thank the 86 New York Giants, particularly Phil Sims and Coach Parcells, and of course, as always, Dr. Joe Fernandez for his in-depth analysis of ACL tears and his projections about Terrell Owens' recovery. Until next week, play it safe, but don't come in second place. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.